here lately, we've really been <clears throat> paying attention to the forecast, hadn't we? Last week or so, we've been anticipating this cold weather that's come our way. Maybe two or three, four times a day, we might check uh, what has it been updated to. What, what's the temperature going to be? How low is it going to get? And, and uh, when is this precipitation going to fall? Or when, when's it going to come? And, and we have apps and weather apps that continuously update that uh, up to the very minute, really, sometimes. Um, and we've been paying a lot of attention to that. But this morning, I want to entitle this God's forecasting. In the book of Psalm, in chapter 1, we find that God has a forecast. It's not a forecast of sunny or windy or snow or ice, or, but it's a forecast for the righteous. It's a forecast not only for the righteous, but he includes another group of people entitled the ungodly. You see, I want to suggest to you this morning that the righteous have a future. And the ungodly have a fate. Now I want you to think about that. The godly have a future, but the ungodly has a fate. And I hope this morning that through this lesson that we can make appropriate plans because God's forecasting, as we see sometimes with man's, is never wrong. In the book of Psalm, just a moment ago, that was read, we can basically sum it up with these two statements. The happiness of the godly and the unhappiness of the ungodly. This morning, I ask us the question, what does your forecast look like something in the future what does the forecast of your life and eternal life not life in the world in which we live but eternally this morning let's talk about it what does it look like what does mine look like You see, Psalm 1 is an introduction to the book of Psalms. It is designed to encourage the, the singer, the ones that have sung these psalms, to be righteous and not ungodly. This psalm speaks to uh, the two categories of persons uh, frequently, the, the godly and the ungodly, the righteous and the unrighteous. And God is telling you and I this morning 
what will happen to the righteous and the ungodly. See, this is God's forecast for the future. You know, I bring this lesson on the, the, the beginning or the ending part in the hills of 2022 to the beginning of 2023. And what does your forecast look like? You see, the happiness of the godly and the unhappiness of the ungodly, we can contrast between the way of the righteous and the wicked. And when you look there and you see the forecast for the righteous and the ungodly is that the righteous have a future. Notice what the scripture says as we read verse 1. It says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. The one that stays away from wickedness. And then he goes on to say, Nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the, the seat of the scornful. He said, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. Does not walk in the ways of the world or his own ways of thinking. You see, he does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. They don't walk beside or they don't sit or they don't stand with the world or the things of the world or things that are ungodly. They don't stand with those things that are, that are, that are, that are con, uh, contradictive of what God has said. They do not stand in the path of the sinner. You know, that particular word there, blessed is the man, can be translated as a person without any identity of male or female, just a person. And a person that we know, a person was created by God. There are many in the world today who say that, 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 that God didn't create us or there's no way God could do these things. Well, I say this morning, how can we get it from their way of thinking of an explosion? God is the creator of all things. And you know, the way that man thinks, the Bible describes them as foolishness, doesn't it? Their way of thinking is foolishness. Even the wisest of men that we know in our world today, even the, their thoughts are foolishness to God. But this morning, God's forecasting your future and my future. What does your future look like? It goes on to say in that scripture that we read, they do not sit in the seat of the scornful. They, they don't walk and stand and sit a uh, uh, progression of those things. But notice in verse 2 what it does say. But his delight is where? In the law of the Lord and in his law doth he meditate day and night. 
You see, the righteous future says that we're going to delight in God and His law. We are going to be happy in the way that God has presented things. We're not going to question it. We're not going to say, well, I don't believe that, or that's not what I think, as was just prayed a while ago. Don't take man's word for that. Go and study and look in the Bible your own way and your own time and figure it out. You see, man, we have the rest of that responsibility, don't we? To go figure it out. Not to just take one man's word, but to go figure it out. But he says they delight, the righteous delight in that. In the book of 3 John, in chapter 1, in verse 11, the scripture says, Beloved, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. Imitate. What does it mean to imitate? Imitate means that we do what we see. Often we, when our, our little children are little bitties, little bitty babies and stuff, they learn to what? Imitate what we do, don't they? We'll take, you know, one of the first things I ever taught my Adriana was to say roll time. And now she's a Tennessee fan. Satan got a hold of her. That's all I can say. But her, her thought of that was she couldn't get it out, but she was like, burr time. That's how she said it. <laughs> That was fine for me. But Roll Tide was some of her first words. She was imitating what she was seeing and what she was hearing in such a young age. But according to 3 John in 1, 1 verse 11, Beloved, do not imitate what is evil. Don't imitate those things. Don't stand with. Delight in the word of God and in his ways. But that scripture in 3 John goes on to say, but what is good? He who does good is of who? God. He who does good is of God. But he who does evil has not seen God. Now, you think about that. One might say, well, I'm a good person. I pay my bills. I don't shoot nobody. I haven't murdered nobody. I... I'm, I'm a good person, and I, I'm a good neighbor to my neighbors, and I, I treat them well, and I do well, and that's not what all the good we're talking about here. The good we're talking about is he that does good is those that obey God's will and his ways. He says, do not imitate evil, or do not, my beloved, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. Good is the ways of God. And that includes obedience to the gospel. That includes meditating on the word of God. And we delight in those things. It also goes back to a thing of when, we, when we're required to be here for services. Do we come because we have to? Or do we come because we want to? So that's the thing as well. Is it a joy for you to think about God and his law? Is it a joy to be here today? You see the scripture there in verse 2 says, They delight in God and his law. That means that there's a joy about being here and being with God and being with brothers and sisters in Christ. 
and that we meditate upon God's law constantly. I took him, <clears throat> went and looked at that word meditate a little more. And it puts it this way, to mumble to oneself. You ever mumble to yourself? They don't do that too much because people think you're crazy. You know, they always say, don't answer yourself. <laughs> it's all right as long as you don't answer yourself. Mumble, mumbling to oneself. Often when I am thinking, or, or sometimes we call it thinking what? Out loud. We are meditating upon something. And often I find myself meditating upon something. Or I'll be sitting at the table sometimes studying for a lesson like today or whatever. And my good wife will be in the, the kitchen and, and she'll be, and I'll be sitting there saying something in, in my head and thinking out loud. And she'll say, do what? I'm like, no, I'm just talking to myself. Meditating to oneself. But now let's take it a step further. Other than mumbling to oneself and leaving it at such an elementary description, let's go a little further. It's a biblical meditation, a focusing of the mind upon Scripture. And what is Scripture? God's Word. God's Word is to be studied, right? Yeah. Study shall thyself approved. Yes, meditating upon God's word. What does your future look like this morning? Are you or have you not been meditating? Maybe your forecast, and God knows, says, well, in the coming year, this one is going to fall away. God knows those things. Or maybe this one's going to come to Christ. Which one will you be? Will you be the one in the coming year to come to Christ? To accept Him and to say, I, I need something else in my life. My life is not full. My life is not complete. And I know something is missing. And I can tell you this morning what's missing is the gospel and the way of God. If you have those feelings, that's what's missing. Now, we can take out our billfolds, and we can take and spend as much money as we want to spend, whether it be a card or whether it be cash. We can spend as much as we want to and try to find and complete our lives and find happiness. What do we say at the very beginning? Happiness. The happiness of the godly. You see, when our lives feel so incomplete and, and they feel like something's empty or, or I'm just running around, like the old saying, you say, well, you just run around chasing your tail. Can an old dog do that? Sometimes that's what life feels like, doesn't it? But it shouldn't feel like that for the godly. They delight in the wall. It's a joy. They meditate upon God's law constantly. We need to be like the Bereans in Acts 17 and verse 11 where it says they were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica. You know why? Because they received the word with all readiness. <clears throat> they were ready to grab a hold of the word. They heard it. They wanted it. They did all they could to get it. And he goes on to say they searched the scriptures daily. 
to find out whether these things were so. That righteous delight in his law and meditate upon his law and his ways and his, his ways of thinking day and night. You know, it says day and night there. How often do we meditate upon God's word? But the next scripture, next part of that reading there, says he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season, and his leaves shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. We're like a tree. We're planted. When one is godly, when one is righteousness, and one has obeyed the gospel, who has said, Lord, I want you in my life. And they have completed obedience. They've heard the word, they believe, they confess, they repented, and they've been baptized for the remission of their sins. You see Mark 16 and 16, we know it well. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. You see, it's that simple. We have too many examples in the Bible of one becoming a Christian. But when one becomes a Christian, it says he is a new creature. It's a new way of life. It's a new way of thinking. It's a new way of living. You're turning your back on the old ways that you once lived in and bringing yourselves to the new ways that Christ has presented through his word and through the gospel. And when one is baptized, he or she has, has those sins, as we talked about in class this morning. Those sins, those things in the past are gone. There's nothing that can't be forgiven except it not be repented of. But see, when one becomes a Christian, one is a righteous person. One who meditates upon God's law is like a tree. It's cultivated and it's cared for. When you flip over into the book of Psalms in 84 and verse 11, it says, For the Lord God is the sun and the shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Psalms 84 and verse 11. You see, when we're like that tree and we're meditating and we're, the, we're called the righteous, not that we put ourselves on a pedestal, no, no. But that we're living the way God has told us to live. And the instructions that we find in the Bible, he says, you're going to be a tree that's going to be rooted, deeply rooted. Oh, he's not saying that your tree won't bend and when the wind comes. Not saying that. But he goes on, he talks about the rivers there. By the rivers of water, a source of nourishment. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 6, blessed are those who hunger and thirst what? After or for righteousness. Yeah. It's going to be a source of nourishment for you. The will of God, the word of God, this Bible right here is going to be a source, a source of nourishment for you to uphold you, to, re, to deeply root you. And it's going to hold you through those difficult times when we meditate upon it and we believe in it. 
But not only does that scripture say, it says it's going to bring forth fruit. You're going to be productive. Yeah. You're going to be productive. You're, you're going to be, uh, you're going to have more. And I'm not just talking about things that are material either. There's a lot more things in this life that have a lot more value than material things. Romans 12 and verse 11 in the Bible, and the Bible reads, it's not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. It says that tree is going to bring forth fruit. Not lagging in diligence, the scripture's telling us, fervor in spirit, serving the Lord. You say, that's who we're going to be. What's your forecast look like? Does it look like that? Are you doing things? Are they lining up just like these, these uh, highs and lows that bring our weather come in? Are, are they lining up? Is your forecast lining up to produce what Christ and God wants you to produce? You see, that's the question we have to say. Because notice this thought. In its season, in due time, Proverbs 25 and verse 11 says, The word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in the settings of silver. In its season. You see, everything about the tree is valuable. And productive to God. And you know, this tree we're talking about, and this righteous person, everything that's valuable and productive to God. But also, if we're going to be this person and our forecast is going to line up the way God wants it to be, God is going to find pleasure in you. When He looks at old, this old ugly face of Matthew Scoggins. He's going to say, I, can, I, I, I find good in him. He's going to find good in you. He's going to find your ways. He's going to find his ways, rather. You see, that person that is righteous is that person that God finds his good in him, his will, his ways. In due season. Also, it speaks of the leaf that does not wither. Constant and evergreen. This time of year, we think about evergreens a lot because of Christmas trees and things. But I think when I think about that, I think about 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as your work in the Lord is not in vain. That tree. That's planted by the still waters as we often read and sing. And all that they do prosper. They prosper because righteousness governs their actions. When I say the word governs their actions, it limits their actions. Of course, there's not a guarantee of financial worth of the righteous. But I can promise you this. The one who is righteous, the person is always going to be productive for the Lord. May not be a lot of financial, but they're going to be productive for the Lord. 
They prosper because God upholds. God upholds the righteous. What does your forecast look like? Is it a righteous forecast or is it ungodly? The ungodly have a fate. Remember that in the very beginning? The righteous have a future, but the ungodly have a fate. They're not like the righteous. There's no stability. They find their stability in the things of the world. They find their stability not by the righteousness of God and the, the waters of life and the bread of life, which is the word of God. They find their stability in their work, their money, the material things, their popularity. You see, when you're a Christian, sometimes you don't have those things. You're not the most popular person sometimes. But the ungodly involve themselves in wickedness. The fool has said in his heart that there is no God. Mm. Did you hear that? In the book of Psalm, in 53 and verse 1. You see, when this word was written and transpired and God breathed it by the Holy Spirit and it was written, God knew that there would be people in due time that would say there's no God. He speaks too many times to that. He knew that. He forecasted. He knew that there would be people who would not believe in him. But notice what the rest of that says. It says there that the fool has said in his heart there is no God. They are corrupt and have done abominable iniquity. There is none who does good. You see, the ungodly, that fate is, they involve themselves in wickedness. They don't delight in God's law. Proverbs 2 and verse 14, who rejoice in doing evil and delight in the perversity of the wicked. That's the ungodly. They rejoice in doing evil. They enjoy doing things that are not godly. They enjoy doing things that are contrary to what God... Because a lot of times they say, oh, that's fine. You know, I'm not under the control of anybody. I get to do what I want to do when I want to do it. You know, I believed that way and acted that way when I was younger. Paul says, when I was a child, I spake as a child. But he said, when I become a man, he said, I put away those childish things. 1 Corinthians 13. They devise wickedness on his bed, sets himself in the way that is not good. He does not abhor evil, Psalms 36 and 4. The ungodly are not like a planted tree. James, in the book of James, in chapter 1, in verses 6 through 8, describes the ungodly. He who doubts is like a wave. Who who doubts in the ways of God and, and the gospel and the words of Christ. And he who doubts in the, in the faith, the one faith. So he's like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind, to and fro. You see, I, we took a trip to Florida last year. and My son and I and my family went, went deep sea fishing. It was some of the biggest waves I've ever seen in my life. But I'm going to tell you, we was on a big old boat. But it still tossed us here and there and back. And I found myself getting thrown around like a rag on the boat. 
because I didn't have any stability. I wasn't on land. I wasn't on solid rock. I was on something that was wishy-washy, as we say sometimes. And the ungodly is that way. But James goes on to say, For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. Hmm. That's interesting, isn't it? James says, Don't let him suppose that he'll get anything from the Lord by living the ways of the wickedness. And James says that he's a double-minded man and unstable in his ways. The ungodly has no real nourishment, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Psalms 37 and 2. They're unproductively, they're unproductive, they're untimely, not dependable. And they're like the chaff of the wind, as our scripture says this morning. that the wind drives away. You see, the chaff is that unusable husk of the grain. It's light and can be blown away very easily by the wind. The ungodly, they shall not stand in the judgment. They shall not stand in the judgment. They will not pass the test. 1 Peter 4 and verse 18 says, Now, if the righteous one is scarcely saved, the righteous, now we're talking about two groups this morning, righteous, ungodly. He says, if the righteous, I've always said, a lot of folks who claim to be Christians, or even, even in the Lord's church, just might not make it to heaven. But he said, scarcely now, if the righteous one is scarcely saved, where will the ungodly and the sinner appear? Those who do not have God or obedience to the, the gospel? The ungodly, they will fail eternal judgment. In the book of Jude, in chapter 1 and verse 15, Jude writes and says, to execute, to execute judgment on all, to convict all who are ungodly among them or their ungodly deeds which we have committed in an ungodly way and all of the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. They will fail. Because of those things, they will fail in judgment. They will not stand in the congregation of the righteous. Of course, sinners do not typically stand with the righteous anyway. They stand against them. But the righteous will not permit the ungodly to be among them unchecked. So this morning, what does your forecast look like? 1 Corinthians 5 verse 13 says, Therefore, put away from yourselves the evil person. Put away. Church discipline, talking about those who are evil. We need to be away from them so they don't influence us. Not that we don't pray for them. But the Lord knows the way of the righteous. He knows the way because he made the way. Think about that. The way of the ungodly shall perish. Matthew 25 and verse 41, the judgment scene. And we're going to close. One day. One day. The Lord is going to return. Whether you believe it or not, 
Whether you think that this is senseless, that there's going to be a, a day of reckoning, or whether you believe that it's not, the Lord's not going to come back, or he is going to come back, or, or some atheist, or whatever the case may be, I believe without a doubt. Often those who are not ever brought up in religion have trouble with that. But you know, that's one reason why I thank, I was, thank God that I was brought up by the parents who were in the grandparents and things who I was because they taught me there was a God and they taught me that there's going to be a judgment day. The scripture teaches me that. Matthew 25 and 41. Our Lord's going to return from the eastern sky. The dead in Christ's graves will open and they shall arise first and meet him in the air. According to 1 Thessalonians or 2 Thessalonians. Matthew 25 and 41 says we will stand before God that day. The almighty creator. Our destiny is sealed. There's no more tomorrow. There's no more work. There's no more bills. There's no more sickness. There's, there's no more whatever. Time as we know it, world as we know it is gone. He will say to those, Matthew 25 and 41, he'll say to those on his left hand, Depart from me, you cursed, into the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Matthew 25 and 46, later on in that chapter, he says, And these will go away into everlasting punishment. Which hand will you be on? What does your forecast look like? The righteous have a future, the ungodly have a fate. What does your forecast say? Where will you live eternally? There is life beyond the grave, one or two places, heaven or hell. Where will you live eternally? You're going to live one of the two places. This world's going to be burned up, everything in it. You and I will live eternally somewhere you make that decision not me not your spouse not your mother not your brother not your sister not God but through the blood of Christ you can be saved have those sins washed away and live faithfully for the rest of your life and enjoy a happy life filled with godly things this morning where will you live eternally God has blessed us with his son, sent him to die for mankind, John 3 and verse 16. But you know, there has to be something on your part, doesn't it? On my part. We have to hear, believe, repent, confess, and be baptized. Yeah. Have to do all those things and live faithfully for him. This morning, whatever your need may be, please come. Together we stand and as we sing.